Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, you're listening to a bonus episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this episode, we're bringing you our review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. We do, and we're talking Ghostbusters Afterlife. dun 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 <laughs> Third film in canon. In canon, correct. Actually offends me to say that the female version is not canon. I really, really liked that version. So did I. Back in 2016, the all-female Ghostbusters remake. Who was in it, Lee? The stars Kate were... Kate McKinnon. Yes, Kristen Wiig, Lisa yes. McCarthy, Leslie, Leslie Jones. Jones. And Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, who played, I think his character's name was Kevin. He was a laugh a minute character. Amazing. I loved it. Anyway, sadly, that is not canon. So mm. control alt delete, unfortunately. <laughs> and yeah, we've got this Ghostbusters Afterlife now. Back to the task at hand. So yeah. Ghost, <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife follows a single mum and her two kids who arrive in a small Oklahoma town and soon discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters as well as the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. Ghostbusters Afterlife is directed by Jason Reitman with a screenplay by Reitman and Gil Keenan. The movie stars Carrie Coon, Paul Rudd, 
Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, Celeste O'Connor, Logan Kim, and J.K. Simmons. So just to set the scene, this is a direct sequel to the 1984 and 1989 films. So it's been 30 years since we've had a Ghostbusters film within this Mm -hmm. context. Now, Afterlife was always going to be a hard sell for me. Okay, talk to me why. I felt from the previews that it was being turned into a kid's film. Felt very much like Stranger Things. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. (laughs) I remember you telling me that. Rather than a new instalment to the originals. Okay. After watching it, you know, I, I didn't take a lot of notes in this film, which shows that there wasn't a lot that was jumping out at me, mm. good or bad. Yeah. Look, I'm the same. I didn't write many notes either. It didn't blow me away. No. I came out a bit underwhelmed. Yeah, me but too. But not necessarily thinking it was a bad film. No, I, co- I completely agree. It was. A, it's a tough one. It's going to be a tough one to review. A tough one to review because obviously, guys, it goes without saying that we have to dance around some yes. spoilers and context in, you know, how the story all comes together. So mm. much so that the director, Jason Reitman, at the front of the screening that we went to yes. in Sydney was like, keep the spoilers, la, 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 la. Yeah, what so, he actually said was, you're about to go on the biggest Easter egg hunt of your life. <laughs> and now, boy, did we. Now, were you full of chocolate at the end <laughs> yes. of this? Was, was it to the point of silliness with so many Easter eggs or did you get a nostalgic kick out of that? I got some of them was a nostalgic kick, Mm. but I mean, you know, that's fine if you want to throw Easter eggs in there, but if that's all you want to do, which is what I felt in this film. And it's funny that Jason Reitman, the writer-director, felt the need to call out the fact that he had filled the Ghostbusters Afterlife basket with so many Easter eggs. Mm. So it's obviously important to him as a filmmaker in the story he was trying to mm. tell that he just threw everything at the wall mm. and hoped that it stuck. Well, I mean, like most of us, he grew up with the Ghostbusters. His father directed the first two films. Yes, he did indeed. So, so there's a lot of pressure on him too to deliver. I, I read a quote back from 2007 that he mm. had no interest in dabbling in the Ghostbusters world. Mm. Yet here he is. I mean, of course, people can change their mind. They can feel inspired and find a way in. But it's very interesting that he was very adverse to jumping into the Ghostbusters franchise. Yet here he is writing and directing uh, his own version. Sometimes that can come across when you shove too many Easter eggs in. It can come Mm. across as heavy-handed emotional manipulation. (laughs) Did you feel manipulated, Lee? I did. I did. I mean... Particularly in the climax of the film, what they Mm. do with the climax of the film is pretty cool and I did find myself getting a little bit emotional and the nostalgia was overtaking me. Mm -hmm. But when you pull on the heartstrings like that constantly, it becomes maybe disingenuous. Did you feel that at all? Am I here? I'm on the cheese stands alone. (laughs) (laughs) To comment, to build on your point, Mm. you could tell that there was a lot of care taken in telling the story, right? Yeah. A lot of care taken. But... I felt that it got too sentimental. Okay, uh, that's a better word. Yeah, and where it lingered on things that ultimately affected the impact of what it was trying to do. It just lingered a little too long on some of those sentimental elements of the story. I mean, I like the way that it connected to Mm. the originals. It Mm. was quite a clever, nice way to do it. But then it unfolded in a clumsy way that shoehorned in as much exposition and nostalgia as you could cram into two hours. Yeah. I I think the pacing of this film was one of the things that let it down. Okay. The film lost me, I'd probably say about halfway through. 
and I don't know whether I switched off for a hot second because then I found it a, quite hard to follow. Mm. You know, the film's two hours in duration. It could have probably been trimmed by about 15 minutes, I think, and it would have been much sharper. Okay. But it kept building and building and building and then it struggled to sustain my attention because it just kept building and not really going anywhere. Then, all of a sudden, boom, it, and it then felt like there were bridging scenes that were missing Okay. And they, it kind of just went places too fast, too conveniently. And I was like, mm. did I miss something? So that that was just my takeout. So there's something in the structure of the film or the writing of the film that's not quite there. Didn't you feel that it just felt a little, oh, it, there, was, there was literally a moment in the movie where I was like, how did we get here? And it just felt a little off from there on out. Yeah, there's definitely something missing from it. I think it's that mystery and that awe that we mm. get from the original films it's becomes a box ticking exercise when you're just throwing in all these little easter eggs Mm. i mean particularly when phoebe the daughter who is a science nerd if you will she's beautiful performance from mckenna grace Mm. um so phoebe begins playing chess in her room with an unseen entity and it's like it's no big deal no mystery (laughs) and that approach is seen throughout the film quite often you know everyone is so accepting of what's going on and for civilians who don't know anything about the ghostbusters don't Mm. know anything about ghosts haven't really encountered ghosts before it just doesn't feel right it felt too much like a business as usual here we are busting ghosts and they knew exactly what to do where to go Mm. and it felt a very convenient and yes but i don't want to spoil anything but i I also have a problem with films who set up the premise that a character has spent, in this case, 30 years, Mm. you know, trying to do something and failed. Yeah. And then a 12-year-old girl comes in and (laughs) figures it out. Like, I get it. That's what it's it's meant to achieve. Yeah. But I'm like, it had been 30 years. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think that's a bit of a hard pill to swallow. It sounds like we're going in hard on this film, but it's a bit of fun. It really is. It's so much fun. It's fun. It's very fun. When Gary, played by Paul Rudd, and the kids are running around trying to unravel the mystery, it's fun to watch. Yeah. But as you said, the momentum isn't quite enough to sustain you, and it loses something when it becomes a cookie cutter imitation of the original films, which is ironic because. It's trying to give fans what they love about the original films. Yeah, yeah. and I think it gives that. Yeah. It, it, to a certain extent, it gives it, but then falls into that sentimentality a little bit too mm. much. But look, you've got all the tropes of a bit of a coming-of-age story. You've got the outcast young kid. You've got a fumbling adolescent son. You've got a single and ready-to-mingle single <laughs> mum you know, who, who are there to set up a new life. They're in debt. You know, their grandfather or her father has passed away. He's Mm. left this big old dirt farm, as it's called, Mm. the dirt farm on the hill to them, realising that it's worthless and there's nothing really there. And they've basically got no choice but to live out of that farmhouse because they've got nowhere else to go. They've been evicted from their house. Did they come from LA? I don't know where they came from, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think that was clear. Anyway, so (laughs) they're living in middle America. (laughs) Yeah, so it's hitting those beats. It's hitting those beats. And then you throw in this teacher played by Paul Rudd, who doesn't really like to teach. He throws on horror movies for the kids to watch while he's out the back uh, analysing seismic data. And they never really dive into that, why he's so interested in this town and why he's there. But it seems like he's there for a specific purpose. See, this is what I mean about bridging scenes missing, establishing the context behind who the characters are and why they tick a certain way. 
I really do think that even though I liked the characters and I thought their performances were great, I mm. didn't know who they were. And I mm. think that was hard for you to ultimately go on this uh, ride, emotional, fun, mm. comedic, because you didn't know who was in the film, basically. In terms of the overall feeling coming out of this film, where would you rate this one in the Ghostbusters universe? Look, as we said, it's not a bad movie. It just doesn't hit the mark in a few areas. Mm. But it clearly, for me, is number three. So you've got Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Do you want to really? know where the 2016 version sits? Yeah. I liked that better than this. Yes, me too. Mm. So yeah. it's number four then, I guess. Yes, yeah. yeah. I would agree with you there completely. In terms of its place within the franchise and mm. its fan service, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but the iconic theme song didn't come on until the end yes. credits. Where was it? Where was it? And I was gagging for it for two hours <laughs> and I'm packing up my popcorn and then it comes on. I'm like, what the hell? That would have gone a long way to help with the vibe and the feeling from this film. Well, I just find it really strange that a film that continuously lent into fan service and nostalgia, you know, you sitting there on an IV drip of nostalgia, <laughs> I was astonished that they didn't bring the theme song in yeah. until the film was bloody over. Or at least some kind of remixed version of it. I wonder if we missed it. Were Maybe. there flavours of Maybe. it in the score. But, I mean, look, it's so iconic. Surely mm. we would have noticed it if it was there. The thing for me, the marketing of this film set it up to be like the the do-over. You know what I mean? After everybody tore apart the female version, the gender-flipped version, which unfairly. I think – Yeah, really unfairly. This was like, yeah, this is, we're going to reboot it properly. It's going to mm. be done properly. It's going to connect to the originals. And in some ways it did that really well and in others it didn't. I mean, I don't think it's a secret that – the original Ghostbusters make a cameo. Mm. It was it's bound to happen. Yeah. But again, I don't think they utilized them to their full potential. It was corny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, how did you feel about it? I liked seeing them. Yeah, me too. Bill Murray, Jesus man, he's good. Oh, he's so good. So good. He just slips right back into that character. <laughs> he does. He does. He's so funny, but you know what? I actually found this film generally quite funny. Yeah, true, yeah. A, a lot of bad jokes, but that's my bread oh, and butter yes. as well. That's the thing about Phoebe, McKenna Grace's character. She tells these really bad jokes and I actually thought they were the funniest bit of the film. Yeah, they were. <laughs> well, because it led to a very important plot point in the film, you know, her doing these bad jokes. So, in terms of funny, yeah. so Logan Kim, who played podcast <laughs> you know this kid honestly I felt hilarious by that character <laughs> can i just say you felt seen <laughs> i felt seen and also attacked a little bit <laughs> <laughs> slightly attacked he demonstrated brilliant comedic timing yeah. and he found a character that had so many unique idiosyncrasies mm -hmm. that you know i was so glad that he brought that character to life he was really really good he was really good but also not much to do no. And I felt the brother, Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard, also a character that was a little pointless. He was absolutely pointless. He did a great job with it. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to Finn Wolfhard. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a really enjoyable performance, but there just wasn't enough to work with there. Yeah, clearly the character of Phoebe, she was the heart mm -hmm. of the film. She carried the film very well. So everyone else arguably was a backseat character in Let, the movie. Let's talk about McKenna Grace for a mm. second. Little star. Absolute My star. My goodness. She's been in so much. She's recently been in The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. And she was chilling in that. 
She was also in Malignant recently as the young Madison, and uh, we've seen her in I, Tonya as the young Tonya Harding. Oh, my God, of course. Yeah. She's a little star. She really is. She did such a good job in this. She's turning in a great performance. We've mentioned Finn Wolfhard's character. We've got to mention the mother, played mm. by Carrie Coon. Her and Paul Rudd and their budding romance in yeah. the film is actually quite fun to watch. It is good. I wanted to see more of that. They've got good chemistry. They do. They do. I loved how sarcastic she was. Yeah. But to me, she didn't feel like much of a mum. Yeah. Like she was just an adult. Cool aunt. A cool aunt. Yeah. The cool <laughs> auntie. And, you know, there was a lot of subtext and subplot about her being estranged from her father mm. that I think they really could have delved into a little deeper to just give more of an emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? She was quite bitter through most of it. She was bitter, but very funny all the same. There was like, you know, a scene or two missing about her character yeah. that would the story would have benefited from. Keep coming back to these missing scenes. Yes. Let's see the director's cut, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I already mentioned that the cameos are quite brief mm. and I, I really hoped that they would found a way to include the OGs in a more meaningful capacity this time Mm. around, especially if this is supposed to be a direct sequel. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it's setting it up for another film. Actually, they are setting it up for another film, I believe. It hasn't been greenlit, but if you stay for the post credit scenes, listeners, you will... Yeah, it's undoubtedly being set up for another one. It's always worth hanging around these days and oh, not, gosh. you know, if, if you're busting for a wee, <laughs> just go do it and come back. The credits will still be rolling. You'll catch the yeah. last bit. Lee, we have to talk about the special effects and, of course, the practical yes. effects in this movie. Obviously, the film is comes across as one big homage to the 80s in more ways mm. than one, but I felt the most significant way that it did was its practical animatronics, Mm. you know, especially for close-up shots of some of the Mm -hmm. monsters. And I just loved that aesthetic that they brought to this film. I love the modernised 80s design Mm. of some of the characters. Yes, Yes. a particular costume, right? Yes. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, yeah, the mother ends up in a dress that's very similar to Sigourney Weaver's dress Mm. in the 80s. Yeah. So good. Did they use animatronics in the film? Yes. So, I mean, I've got a bit of an eye for that. Mm. So, especially when... There were close-ups of some of the monsters. You could see that real texture and some of the movements, the eyes and the mouth and whatever, were flawless, but you could tell that they weren't Mm. CGI. But I think that's a really good balance that they have in choosing when to do that. And, mm. then, and then leaning into CGI to do the bigger, more challenging things. And that's another nod to the 80s. Absolutely. They're using yeah. that style. It felt very much like I was watching the Gremlins or something. It felt <laughs> okay. very familiar and nostalgic. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Or the really Ghostbusters even. Or the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's stay on, on brief <laughs> what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. The special effects are quite good. Mm, they are very good. Apart from the end, though, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of them. Like you'd get very brief flashes of things earlier on, mm. and it's quite impressive in some places. But again, the characters don't really acknowledge it. No, it's so weird. They're so accepting of the crazy shit that's happening around <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. It's maybe odd. maybe that's what happens in Middle America. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Oh, dang it. <laughs> There's another ghost. 
uh, you know, I really like the general aesthetic, you know, the, mm. the, the set of the big house on the top of the hill, mm. the design, the shapes and, mm. and the character to that I, was so great. I suppose we should mention this is set in a very rural town. Yes. So there's big mountains, desert, it's very mm. dry. It's very different to, you know, 1980s Manhattan. Yeah, that's so true. Like it's an old mining town, yeah. isn't it? So it's very – it's dirty. Right, it's mm. dirty. There's not the sheen of uh, all this glass like mm. the skyline of New York. It does offer a very different aesthetic. You're right. One I quite enjoyed. Yeah, me too. Me too. Another element of the '80s that came through mm. loud and proud was the diner where all the workers <laughs> are running around on skates. Yeah, I was like, what year is this set in? It <laughs> yeah. was just dripping with '80s. It was wild. Do you know, I'd love to go to one of those diners me in America. Too. Let's go there one day. Can you roller skate? No, oh, I used to be able to. I I don't think I could now. Oh, my God, I'd break a bone now. Oh, I would die. I'm an old lady with brittle bones. <laughs> <laughs> I can't – I can ride a bike, but it's too traumatic. I've had too many traumatic things happen to me <laughs> no. riding a bike, but that's for a spin-off podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's wrap up, shall we, Tim? Yeah, let's give it a go. So, Ghostbusters Afterlife is a well-made, funny, nostalgic tribute to the original Ghostbusters film. I loved how they chose to blend in-camera practical effects with slick CGI. It gave the film a very familiar and tangible 80s look and feel, which I appreciated. But the underdeveloped story let it down with leaps and bounds of convenience, character and plot development, leaving me a tad confused and ultimately disappointed. It will serve fans of the originals well, but doesn't quite hit the mark in that department all the same. But I'm going to rate Ghostbusters Afterlife 3 Popcorn Kernels because I had a really bloody good time. Well, what Ghostbusters Afterlife does well is act as a fun introduction for a new generation. It feels more like a reboot than a continuation, and I think that's where it won't live up to the task for hardcore fans who want to see more than just nostalgia. It's the film equivalent of seeing how many Easter eggs you can shove into your mouth at once without drooling like Slimer. (laughs) Except the filmmakers throw literal 80s Easter eggs at you constantly. It's okay, just not great enough to match the originals, but it's entertaining enough. I'm going to give Ghostbusters Afterlife two and a half popcorn kernels. Well, there you go, guys. Ghostbusters Afterlife is calling you to Australian cinemas from January 1. We love to talk movies with you. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. We have a website, popcornpodcast.com. Make sure you check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you to listen to. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section. And we run ticket giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.